this is the Neighborhood Conversations Podcast. Today's sermon was originally recorded on July 16th, 2023. My name is Rex. My pronouns are he and him. And uh, in what seems like a lifetime ago, I was the pastor of one of the churches that became the core for Neighborhood Church. And I'm glad to be here with this community today, and I'll say a little bit more about that during the sermon. But like Angie said, our scripture is from Isaiah, the 55th chapter, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. Isaiah says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns there shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And that shall, it shall be to the Lord for a memorial. For an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of God for all of us the people of God. Would you say thanks be to God. Sounds preposterous. This is a scientific age. As Angie was saying, does anybody really believe that mountains and hills can burst into song? And that trees have hands with which they can clap? It's just a metaphor, isn't it? You know? Or an exaggerated one at that. It's the author using poetic license maybe just to get our attention. But I don't believe that. I don't believe these words are just a metaphor. I believe they're much, much more than that. What they are is an attempt to put into human language what happens when people encounter the oppression-lifting, justice-bringing, love-redeeming power of God in their lives. If you remember the story of Moses who, before going back to Egypt to lead the Israelites out of an earlier bondage, he had such an incredible encounter with God that God told him to take off his shoes for the place where he was standing was holy ground. What all of these writers of Scripture are trying to do is describe what happens when we are encountered by the holy ground or holy mystery of God in such a way that our entire worldview changes what we think we used to mean when we say God is with us that is now radically different when we are encountered by this holy mystery or holy ground in the sixth century the Hebrews once again had become an enslaved people they were forced to leave their homeland march to a place called Babylon which today we know as Iraq, 
forced to live in slavery, having no rights, treated with neither dignity nor respect. Their whole world had come crashing down around them. Imagine being forced to live in a society totally foreign to your own, one in which all of your choices about how to live your life were taken away from you. Actually, for too many people in the 21st century, that is not something they have to imagine. They live it every day. Well, the Hebrews were living in that kind of hell every single day of their lives. A hell that could have completely destroyed them. When any of us live with suffering and pain and oppression on a daily basis that sometimes lasts for months, years, even centuries, life becomes so difficult that without some hope of a reversal, the character and the quality of our lives would be marked by nothing but despair. Despair, without some slither of hope, leads to death. However, it's hard to kill hope in people. When faced with overwhelming odds in life, we will look for and hang on to the slightest hope for a better future. The Hebrew children in Babylon were just barely hanging on to hope when into their lives came a person that the biblical writers called Isaiah. He spoke a word to them, and when he spoke that word to them, he went way beyond just mere encouragement to hang on till the end. His word to these folks who could, at that moment, only see the power of the oppressor was that God's word was more powerful than their exile. And God's word was more powerful than those who caused their exile. And they could trust that God's word would be fulfilled among them. And that word was the word of liberation and redemption. He said that their liberation would be so complete that all of creation itself would celebrate their release. They would be going out in joy and they would be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills would burst into song. The trees would clap their hands. I am sure there must have been some cynics among them, just there, as there are among us, who scorn at the notion of singing mountains and clapping trees. But something miraculous happened to those Hebrew children as they listened to Isaiah. They began to believe that his words were not just mere poetry, if mere poetry is kind of an oxymoron anyway. That they were not just mere poetry and metaphorical in nature. The words were actually describing both the present in the middle of their oppression, describing the present and future action of God in their lives. They began to believe that there was no exile so great that God, that God could not overcome that exile. There was no oppressor so powerful that that oppressor could prevent God from fulfilling God's promises among them. Even though they had not yet left Babylon, and even though the oppressor still had lots of power over them, a new reality, a new understanding of community was being born among them that very day. And they knew it. 
And they knew that the power of Babylon would no longer have ultimate power and control over them. The only way that Isaiah could describe what was going to happen and what would continue to happen among them is that the mountains and the hills would sing and that the trees would start clapping their hands. Do you believe that mountains sing? Do you believe that trees clap their hands? I believe it happened there in Babylon. And I think it happens every time God acts in a quiet or powerful way to demonstrate the love and fidelity that God has toward each of us and God's entire creation. In the first century, there was a young teenage girl. Her name was Mary. An angel came to her and said, Mary, you have found favor with God, and now you will bear a son, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then a few months later, Mary put her experience to song, and she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for God has looked with favor on God's servant. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry with good things. She was singing about the baby that was in her. She was singing about a reversal that was happening beginning to happen in her, beginning to happen in her body, even though this baby was not born yet, she already knew that the power of the Herods and the Caesars no longer had ultimate power over her and over her people. She knew that God was already acting to fulfill what her child would later say about his own purpose. 